This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns Touchdown, Oregon! Been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Hello, welcome back to the QB11 show with Doug Scott and, of course, QB11, Andrew. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Doug. And I think uh, I think we need to lead off this podcast with just an incredible idea that we had. Um, and I, I actually, I think we're going to leave it up to you guys on Twitter. We're going we're gonna to do a poll. Um, Let's do it. Uh, Doug, I think, Doug, I think you're really the genesis of this idea, but I think that we should liquidate whatever funds we have in our podcast account we've actually been getting some advertisers lately and also our very generous subscribers um we were thinking about putting it all in on the cal under four and a half um this is a little bit of a of a sneak peek into this podcast we're going to be diving into some over-unders some things that we like some dark horses across the the power five um but i think that a really good place to start is that we are heavily considering putting our dozens of dollars into an under Cal position for the season. And I'm going to actually tweet it out right now. I love it. Yeah. Much like Arizona last year, when we, when the over unders came out was the, the clear play in the PAC 12, the Arizona over seemed like, and turned out to be very, very easy money for me and you this year, as we've looked through these PAC 12 over unders, like Cal stood out like a sort of thumb as, as the, the safest bet to not win at least five games. So four or less, and this ticket would cash. And yeah, let's let our listeners decide, but I'm, I'm all about it. Like, let it ride. Let it ride, baby. So yeah, as, uh, as QB said, we'll be talking about some over-unders today, not just in the Pac-12, but in some of the other big name teams around the country as well. We'll get into a little bit of dark horse candidates in the various Power 5 conferences. And um, we'll start. I think with a little bit of updates on recruiting for Oregon, obviously we've talked at, at length lately about all the recent commitments. Uh, actually the Ducks picked up another one for a 2025 center. Um, we can touch on him a little bit. Obviously it's a, it's a still a full class out, but uh, we did get a commitment. Our second commitment, I think for the Oregon Ducks in the 2025 recruiting class, but really June is approaching where, uh, about four and a half hours away from June. And at that point in time, there's a lot of visits lined up for June, not just in Oregon, but around the country. It's a big, big visit weekend. It's really the time to close on some commitments and, and talking a little bit about 
the talent that will be coming to Eugene in June, particularly the last two weekends of the month where we're really stacking um, some pretty big name players. Yeah, based off Justin's reporting today, it seems like those are going to be the only two um, visit weekends of the month. Uh, sounds like everybody is going to be packed into those two weekends, and then the staff is going to be out uh, at satellite camps engaging with prospects around the country um, during the other two weekends. That makes sense. This is the evaluation period time of year, so that's the time when coaches hit the road, go to school, see kids in person, um, go to these camps around the country. I think every coaching staff is allowed to go to a certain number of camps. I think it's like eight or ten. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Uh, so it's always judicious in which camps uh, schools decide to attend. But, yeah, that's where there's a lot of evaluation happens, particularly with 2025, 2026, 2027, right? It's You're really – at these camps, you're mostly looking to find guys in the next class and the class after that. I mean, you're pretty well locked in with your 2024 targets. I mean, there's always a surprise or two, right? But but the bulk of the bulk of what you're doing out on these camps is really looking for future years. Well, last year, Colin Gill was identified at one of these satellite camps in, in the summer. So um, I wouldn't completely write off the possibility that you find a 20, uh, maybe an under-the-radar prospect. But I think even more likely is, is you're just going to be rubbing shoulders with high school coaches and the prospects for future classes, including your commitments for this class and top targets for this class, maybe not even participating at the camp, but just there hanging out, um, getting some more one-on-one time with your staff. So there's no, there's no downside. Um, kids can only visit so many, kids can only visit so many weekends a year. Um, and so just every opportunity for your coaching staff to get out on the trail closer to where these kids live um, and interact with them and their families and their high school coaches is, is a good thing. Yeah, we've talked about, I mean, Oregon's at 14 commitments for the 2024 class right now from the high school ranks. You know, I think we've kind of talked around 25 is, you know, maybe push a couple more beyond that is probably the upper limits of this class. So, you know, you're you're a little more than half full at this point. Um, let's talk a little bit about where this class might land and, and particularly in relation to these two huge visit weekends coming up on, I think the first one is kind of that la- that weekend of June 14th, 15th, 16th. And then the other one, the next one obviously being the, the following weekend, which is the last visit weekend before the dead period kicks in, which is like uh, June 23rd, 24th kind of range. Yeah. Let's start with the, start the with- first weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like this is a weekend where they're really trying to pile in all the Texas prospects. I mean, you have uh, commitments, Aaron Flowers, Zadavian Sims, Jackson Ford, uh, Luke Mogo, the quarterback from Arizona, will all be on campus uh, hosting two major edge prospects and Colin Simmons and Elijah Rushing. Uh, the uh, the uh, Mormon speedster, Gatlin Bear from, from Idaho, is going to be on campus that weekend at wide receiver. Uh, Isaiah Garcia, uh, offensive line prospect from Utah, particularly a guard, will be on campus. And then Dewan Riggs, a uh, a running back target, who we actually haven't heard a whole lot about to this point, uh, will be on campus that weekend as well. And so uh, very strong Texas like spattering here. A lot of the guys that have interacted with each other, I think they're trying to build that pipeline. Um, and in doing so, also build the relationships with the other commitments on the team. So I, I like the way that the staff has done this. They split their two quarterbacks up over the two weekends. Uh, and then also they've kind of regionalized the weekends in a way to make sure that um, these players are interacting with other players from their region that they probably have already met before several times. Doug? Yeah, and you, yeah, and you like you have to like the way that they're both of these weekends, right? They're stacking. I think they're really strategic about how they're they're stacking the 
the prospects they're bringing in, but also you like the way with their existing commits, they're bringing in a quarterback on each weekend. They're bringing in um, existing commits on each weekend that would help, you know, kind of close the deal with, with some of the prospects that, that they're in that final grouping with and on both of those weekends. And so it just, it feels, you know, I think they learned from, from maybe some of the missteps and the way they handled June last year. And it feels like they've, they've taken those learnings and they've really been, very strategic about how they're stacking these visits right now yeah and there's some names that we're like hearing rumors that are going to be coming in on certain weekends too like justin williams and brandon baker have not confirmed dates yet but both are rumored to be coming the weekend of the 16th so two more five-star prospects to add to this weekend one of which is a texas prospect one of which is a modern day guy Uh, and then dylan williams is also rumored to possibly be coming in this weekend so uh, linebacker from Long Beach Poly. So a couple again, there's guys that have not locked in. This is not a completed and finalized list yet, but I mean, still in terms of a of a list of about ten names, that's a really that that would be considered a strong big weekend, and that's Oregon's secondary weekend of uh, of the June visit window. Yeah, and of course, you know, I think just before the weekend or leading into the weekend, obviously you mentioned Elijah Rushing will be on campus then. Originally, up until today, was scheduled to visit uh, just this coming weekend, uh, the first weekend of June, and Oregon was able to get him to shuffle that around. I think he's now visiting Arizona this coming weekend, uh, his local school, and then will be or the local school among his finalists, right? And then we'll be uh, we'll be visiting Oregon there in the middle of the month, which I think is a much better position uh, from Oregon's standpoint to have him come a little bit later in his visit process. And and even though he's coming in, I think you know Wednesday or Thursday, you know I'm guessing he'll probably still be there on campus, you know, as those other recruits start to come in for that big weekend. And I think that that can only be helpful for Oregon, I think too. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think that. Um just in general, like Elijah rushing the specifically, you wanted to get him in after he was at Notre Dame. That's your primary um, challenger for, for his commitment. So being able to, to bring him in immediately afterwards, wash the stink of that visit off um, and, and then give the last pitch, frankly. I mean, I, a lot are assuming he's going to be making an announcement here in, uh, in the summer months, whether that's July or August. And I think if you're Oregon with, with the groundwork that you've been laying over the last two cycles, really since the staff first got here, he was, for those that re- remember, he was one of the first visits that happened in that February immediately following Dan Lanning and Tosh LaVoy's arrival. And so they've been laying, they've been planting the seeds and, and, and watering and cultivating this recruitment for year, two years now. Um, and it's, this is one that Oregon really needs to win. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that, that, that change in strategy, bringing him in with some, a bunch more commitments, including a bunch of guys from the state of Arizona uh, will, will help, um, will help hopefully secure a commitment over the next couple of months. Yeah, do we want to talk a little bit about that next weekend? Yeah, let's do it. So rolling into the weekend, June 23rd, this is the really big one. You have five-star defensive lineman Aiden Breland, who is probably the top overall interior defensive lineman on the board for the Ducks uh, at a modern day. Uh, At the receiver position, you have your top two uncommitted targets and Ryan Pelham, who you're competing with USC with, and Jeremiah McClellan, who you're competing with Ohio State with. I mean, I don't think you're going to get both of these guys, but I think Oregon really would like to get one. Um, and so 
Ryan Pelham seems to be more likely than McClellan in my book, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, a defensive back, you have, you have Ify Obedegwu coming back in with his teammate Michael Van Buren, the quarterback commitment. Uh, you also have Dakota Fields, who Oregon has been trending for for a couple months now uh, and is likely to make an early summer commitment. So this is, again, you're getting him last. Nobody can get him in after you. Um, and that's, I think, a really big key visit there. Uh, and then lastly, a corner that no one's really talking about, Chris Johnson from Texas, uh, four-star corner from down there, will also be on campus. Uh, rounding out the defensive back room, you'll have uh, Marquise Gallegos from Southern California, uh, four-star safety that has been pretty quiet. I haven't seen a lot of interviews or anything with him, but it's a guy that Oregon has been really prioritizing uh, to be the second safety alongside Aaron Flowers in this class, and he's a guy that, again, you're competing with USC with, and that's going to be a theme across this visit weekend, whether it's Ryan Pelham, whether it's Marquise Gallegos, whether it's Aiden Breland, um, or, or Dakota Fields. There's a lot of guys here where Oregon's going to have an opportunity to put their stamp on this class in, in Southern California and win some key battles that could really separate you down the road. Um, on the offensive line, this is a big, big opportunity to kind of cement your class. You have Jaquan McRoy coming in from Alabama. Um, he's going to be making his commitment just a few days later, a week later on July 1st. Oregon trending heavily there. Preston Taumua, uh, another guy that has been trending towards Oregon, received a couple crystal balls last week. Uh, four-star interior offensive lineman from Hawaii with deep roots with Coach Terry. Um, and Coach Kavanaugh, so that those are going to be uh, some some premium offensive line. You also have a, a spattering of commitments here as well. Tioni Gray, the defensive lineman from Missouri, will be on campus. I would assume he probably knows who Jeremiah McClellan are. They're both from St. Louis. You have Jordan Anderson coming in, teammates of Ryan Pelham. Um, obviously, Van Buren and Obadegwu will be on, on, on campus. Uh, and then you have some linebackers coming in with Kamar Matuti and, and Braden Platt, who are, I think outside of Justin Williams are probably two of your top four targets along with Dylan Williams at linebacker. So just a massive, massive weekend. Uh, I don't think I missed anybody there. I think we covered all of them. Yeah, at least of the ones that are that are out there and known about, right? And I, I, you know, touching on the linebackers you mentioned, it feels like Oregon probably leads for both of those guys, Matuti and Platt. Um yeah, certainly Matuti by everything everybody's you know said out there in the world. Um, Platt maybe a little bit harder to read, but earlier in the cycle seemed like a, a you know a little bit heavier lead toward Oregon. So if you lock down those two and then you know look at the Williams, the Williams and Williams as uh, you know you get one of those two. I mean that's a really strong class of three. Obviously you take all four if you can get them, um, but you know you really gotta like. You really got to like where Oregon sits. Even though they don't have a linebacker commit in this class, you really like where they sit at that position because I don't see any scenario where they're they're striking out on all these guys. No, I think it's more likely that they get three of the four than they get only one. Um, and so I think with, with where they sit, specifically with Kamar Matuti ahead of an early summer decision, I think he might be the first one to jump on board. Um, I think of the guys other than Jaquan McRoy, who has a commitment date set already, he might be one of the earlier commitments um, of the summer following these official visits. So uh, I think Oregon sits in a really good spot. Again, Justin Williams, Brandon Baker, Dylan Williams will be interesting prospects to, to monitor. Also, Nate Frazier. Um, and I think Christian Clark, I don't know that he's scheduled his visit to Oregon yet, unless it's on an earlier weekend. I thought I saw that one was the 16th. He was coming that first weekend of the two. I'll look that up while we're talking that. here. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can look yeah. that up while we're talking here. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the O line, I, I mean, obviously, I think the, you know, 
maybe you could read some tea leaves into you know the the Bennett the Bennett um, kid canceling his visit or you know there's something to maybe see into that there I think you got Oregon's probably likes where they sit with with McRoy and certainly Baker in addition to the guys they already have in the fold so then you're really probably just looking at you know the you know filling out that interior spot yeah uh, from from I had also forgot that Kingston Lopa the safety from Sacramento will also be here for the weekend of uh June 16th. June 9th, there's a couple names that are currently scheduled to be here. Dylan Williams is one of them. Christian Clark, Rainer Swanson, and Devin Brooks are the other three. Um, so there there are, I apologize, um, some visits, a couple odd end visits. We'll see if those get rescheduled to the two big weekends or if those end up happening um, scheduled, as scheduled on June 9th. Yeah, and those are guys, I mean, especially Clark and Williams are, are guys that obviously like to push them into one of those big two weekends, but if you can't, you're you're still gonna you're gonna want them to visit, so you'll you'll fit them in when you can. You, know, you mentioned you mentioned Lopa. It seems like his final two is, is Oregon and Washington. So, you know, if you anytime you can um, beat them up again for a guy that you want, which you know, I don't think we've been in a lot of recruiting battles with Washington in the last couple cycles. It seems like we're you know we're 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 up against USC a lot, and and Washington's been up against um, you know some other schools in the conference a, a little bit more often. So there there has been a less crossover, but you know this is one of those ones where it's a guy you know that Oregon definitely would would want. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there because I don't know how many spots they have at safety. Gallegos is clearly a a priority. They already have Flowers in the class, and so they're in a position to be really picky. Um, and so I'll be interested to see, like, is that a player that they would take with Gallegos? Would they make him hold off until Gallegos makes a decision? Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out ultimately over the course of these weekends. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, anything more you want to say about visits in June? No, I think we covered it all pretty good. I mean, again, like when every one of your top targets is coming in June, with with the exception of uh, Williams Nwerni, who's the, who has uh, Ernie, sorry, who has his visit scheduled for the season already. He's going to be here for the Colorado game on September twenty third, um, which is interesting because that's the last visit he has scheduled, and he's taking the rest of them in June. So, if he goes without making a commitment, you'd think that's a pretty strong position for going to be. Yeah, I think what with Williams Nwerni. You know, with him taking four officials in June and then Oregon in September, I think if you're Oregon, you just gotta like just make the trip, <laughs> just make the trip, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you don't 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 cut it short sometime in the summer, um, and then you know you see what you know you put all your cards on the table in that trip, and I think that's if he if he does make that trip, you really gotta like where Oregon sits um, in the face of that. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, just going back to we got the Oregon got the commitment of. Chavez Thompson, the interior offensive lineman out of Melbourne, Florida. Um, of course, he likes to go by Sandman. So it's you know, Sandman Thompson, which is a pretty cool nickname, I think, for, for a football player. And, and, a, and he's a center, so he's going to be coming in to play center, it looks like, for Oregon, or at least starting out there. I don't expect you to have watched any of his film or know anything about him, given he's a class of 2025 commit. But I, I do think it's rather... Interesting that Oregon has two commits in the in the twenty twenty five class, and both are from Florida. Yeah, I love that. Honestly, like it, I haven't watched him yet. Um, with a name like Sandman as an early take on the offensive line, I'm sure I will like him, uh, especially as a center because that's going to be a pretty key position for Oregon next year. That's a that's actually a good point to bring up too. Is I think that uh, Tawamua, the prospect from from Hawaii, might be a center prospect for Oregon. Um, I know he doesn't play center at the high school level because. 
these high schools put their best guy at left tackle. But ultimately, I think he might make that swap in, in a very similar way to uh, um, Max Unger when he came from the state of Hawaii, moved from left tackle to center. So that'll be interesting to, to, uh, to monitor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything more recruiting related we should touch on, or you want to move over to some over-unders? No, not really. I think that uh, Justin on the site over at scoopduck.com has done a really good job of kind of uh, previewing these cut, these weekends that are coming up. And I think as the list gets solidified, we'll get even better intel. But it sounds like Oregon's in a position to probably pluck about five to seven commitments off these two weekends uh, over the course of June, uh, June, July, and August. Sorry, sorry, July and August, because these are taking place in June, uh, which would be huge, right? Because like, then at that point, Oregon's at, sitting right at about try 21 commitments with a majority of their top targets already in the class um, and just in a position to be unbelievably picky and really shoot for the stars throughout the rest of the cycle. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out for Oregon over the next couple months. Yeah, if you get those five to seven and you're right around 2021, then you're really talking about, you know, those big fish, right? The five stars, upper four stars that are that are pushing off their commitments late into the cycle. And, and you can, like you said, be selective um, you know, really put all your your emphasis on closing hard with those with those recruits. And as we saw last last December, I mean, Oregon really closed as well or better as anyone in that early signing day. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been playing with the class calculator some, and like, there's some there's some potential outcomes here for Oregon uh, with things going like falling their way, where they could be sitting around their highest rank of all time, like in terms of overall score by the end of the summer. Uh, so it's going to be really fun to monitor as this class continues to get put together. It's very clearly going to be Oregon's best class ever. So. All right. Let's uh, take a quick commercial break. And when we'll, when we return, we will talk about some dark horse conference champion candidates. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, and we're back. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Uh, QB, let's talk about some, some teams we look at as dark horses to win their, their individual conferences in the Power Five. It's, of course, it's easy to pick Georgia or Ohio State or something like that, but it's a little bit harder to say, okay, let's assume that the, the one or two favorites in each conference aren't going to win that conference. Who would we pick to come up and, and take it instead? So, makes sense? Yeah. All right, let's start with the Big 12. Uh, I'd say the the two teams that are projected to win this conference or have the highest odds win this conference are the two teams that will be leaving it after the 2023 season, which are Texas and Oklahoma. So let's put them on the sideline. You can't pick either one of them. Who do you like in this new look Big 12, which has uh, four new teams this year? I'd probably go Kansas State. Um, I just think that the way that that program is built um, and the type of system that they run is just it's con- like you're going to have success even with like you're losing players like Deuce Vaughn. Um, they lost a pretty prolific edge ed rusher whose last name I cannot pronounce, so I won't even try. Um, 
but like they just do a really good job. I don't know if it's that North Dakota State like DNA that kind of runs through that program with Chris Kleiman as their coach, but they always end up sneaking up on people, and it wouldn't surprise me if they knocked off one or both of um, tech. Well, I don't actually with the new schedule. I don't know if they play both, but if they beat like an Oklahoma or they beat a Texas. Okay, yeah, I think Kansas State probably would have been the most uh, most obvious selection. I think some other ones to TCU repeating. Well, actually, they didn't win the conference last year. Kansas State actually won the conference last year. So, um, you know, f- interesting note that I think a lot of people don't remember. Uh, TCU would be a popular choice. I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with kind of an outlier Texas Tech. I think Oklahoma State is another one you could look at. I think Tech is an interesting team. Obviously, we're going to get to see them up close when Oregon travels down there in Week Two, and I certainly think that's a team that Oregon should beat. Um, but I do think they're a team that I could see winning, you know, kind of sneaking into that second spot in that, in that big 12 and potentially winning that game. If it's not one of the, one of the top two. So I'll go with tech. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That would, they would have been a little bit further down my list. I think I'd probably lean uh, TCU if I, if I wasn't going K state, um, hey, it's dark horse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Moving over to the ACC. Um, Florida State's actually the favorite this year, so you could technically pick Clemson. As nah, well. we got to take those two out. They're both out. <laughs> Neither one's a dark horse. Those are the top two by far. So. <laughs> I gotcha. So who you got, Doug? Um, I'm going to go North Carolina in that case. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'll stick with North Carolina. I have another pick that I probably like better, but I think North Carolina, they're they're the team that has been the most consistent across that outside of the you know, outside of Clemson, the most consistent across that conference over the last half a dozen years. Um you know, obviously they got Drake May. He's back, right? Yep. Yeah, okay, I'm not crazy. Okay, so that that's a that's a differentiator. So I'm gonna go with North Carolina. Yeah, they're the easy pick. It's who you th- who do you think is going to come out of the coastal division? Really, they're uh, they don't do divisions this year. Oh wait, they're, really? They're, yeah, they went to the Pac-12 model. No divisions this sure. year. But they're, are they still playing a divisional schedule? That I don't know. Okay, well, I'm still taking North Carolina because they have the best quarter quarterback in that conference, um, and frankly, no one else really appeals to me all that much. I guess y- you can always like uh, Louisville's a team I would consider, but Pitt is also another one where they just like. Because of the style that they play, they always drag people into rock fights, and sometimes those rock fights can just like turn out in a way where they are in a position to potentially win. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think they're talented enough to win the league. I really don't think North Carolina is talented enough to win the league. I think this is going to be. Yeah. I don't see a dark horse winning this league. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, North Carolina is the best shot, but I, I think that both Clemson and Florida State are just like head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, totally agree. And we'll get to our projections and our, our picks down the road later this summer as the, as the fall gets closer. We'll actually pick our conference winners. This is just more of a fun, if it's not them, who would it be? So let's move over to the, um, let's go to the Big Ten. Ohio State and Michigan are out. Penn State, easy. <laughs> yeah, this I, is, no, it, almost we should take them out too, I think. But I have, I actually have a, a Penn State plus 700 ticket already to win the Big Ten. So like this is actually my they're not my pick. I like I, again. Like whenever you're betting, it's probabilities, right? Yeah. Like, but I yeah. think that I think that Penn State winning that league is more probable than. Like I don't know. I even like I have also have money on them over nine and a half. Like I think they're going to split the Michigan and Ohio State games, um, and I think we're going to end up with like three eleven and one teams in the East. Crazy. That's crazy. Uh, the Big Ten is like. Is there a more top heavy league? in the country i mean those three and then i think the distance to whoever is number four is pretty vast 
Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because there's like some, there's like Wisconsin's got new blood and they're they're probably the next team in that league. Uh, and I guess like they could probably be the dark horse since they're going to be coming out of the West ultimately. Yeah. Because um, they still have divisions for one more year. So th- that's tough to say definitively though. I just think that Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan are just like, like you said, they're just so much further, like far and away better than everybody else in that league. And I think that that gap is probably the biggest that's ever been in the history of the Big Ten. Um, and there's, that's why there's been a lot of serious coaching turnover at some of these other top programs. So uh, be really intrigued to see how this plays out in, in, in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have picked Penn State as well if I'm going to take them off the board and, I'll, and give me Wisconsin just by the fact that, I mean, they should, especially with their new coaching, they should almost be automatic in the West. And then, yeah, you're in the game, you got a shot, right? So, yeah. All right, let's go to the SEC. But you got to um, take out Georgia and Bama. Anybody else's free game, which makes yeah. it easy. Again. Give, me, give me LSU because I don't know. Like, if Tyler Buckner is starting a quarterback for Alabama, I might just pick LSU to win the win the West. Um, and I think LSU is like the, one of those teams where if things go right, they're going to be in a college football playoff. Like they're an unbelievably talented football team, um, and they're really well coached now too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think that LSU is clearly the third best team in that league. Yes, I don't think it's close, and I think if you if you had to pick a fourth, I mean, I guess you you'd hold your nose and go with Tennessee, but I, I would. They're not there yet. Who would I your think fourth that, be? I like. I'd probably go Texas A and M, and that's yeah. pure, like talent. that's because yeah, talent. Like I just think that if they get quarterback right, if like if things fall into place again, like with A and M, a lot of things have to go right, like specifically on offense, because I think that they're going to be really, really like really good on defense. Uh, but I don't think that – I mean, this this number, this over-under number of 7.5 tells me that nobody has a lot of faith in the offense to, to really take that step. And I think a lot of that is, does anybody actually believe that Jimbo Fisher is going to be not, like, very seriously in the picture um, causing this offense to take certain turns philosophically? And if he's not, and if the quarterback play is good, they have tons and tons of talent. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, they're they're really going to be an interesting team to watch because supposedly you know they got a new offensive coordinator and they're going to unleash that, but will they? <laughs> you know, can they? And 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 what talent do they have on the? I mean, we know, like you said, their defense is going to be good. Their defense is going to be good enough, you know, to compete in that league for sure. It's just can they can they get out of their own way on offense and and what can they do at quarterback and coordinator and everything. Um, I like LSU a lot in this conference. You know, out, outside of even the dark horse standpoint, I. I think that's a team that is going to be, you know, you know, have to be reckoned with over the next couple of years for sure. Whether it's, this is their year or not, I don't know. Um, you know, on the other side, Georgia's going to like cakewalk to the SEC title game because their schedule is absolute. <laughs> like, I mean, they have like one game. Uh, to, yeah, it's just garbage. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I okay, I agree. Their schedule is very easy, but their schedule is also very easy because of their Georgia and they have so much more talented talent than basically everybody but two teams in the country right so like when when i see like fans of like oregon state or west virginia being like oh georgia's schedule is so easy lol sec it's like yeah you guys would win five games on that schedule like 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 teams like south carolina and tennessee and kentucky are good football teams still they just aren't good relative to georgia and so that's why we look at the schedule and say it's easy. If anybody else played the schedule, it would not be considered an easy schedule. 
I think it. I think it comes down to the crossover games aren't aren't challenging, and you know they got the Oklahoma game canceled, right? So if you if you if you gave them a an LSU or an Alabama, and you gave them the Oklahoma game back, like no one would say anything, right? Yeah. And, well, then those and, West Virginia and Oregon State teams would win three games or four games. Right, right, right. I, I'm not, I, it's all relative, right? Relative to the rest of their own conference, they have an easy schedule, and relative to their level of talent, they have an easy schedule. I, yeah. I'm not. I mean, they're still the best team. Like, I'm not discounting that by any stretch, but I'm just saying that the easy the, their schedule makes it a foregone conclusion they're going to be in the SEC title. I game, mean, they played Oregon me. last year and they had an easy schedule. So, I, I don't know. I just I just think that a lot of people forget. The I think we're both right game. here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We can disagree. Uh, I don't even think we are disagreeing though. So, Pac-12 Dark Horse Stanford. Let's go. Um, how much you betting on that one, QB? You gonna put uh, all our, are you gonna put all our money on that one? How much money do we have left? Well, first of all, we have to establish who is like. To me, you're the treasurer, so yeah. No, to me, like who 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 can you not say is a like? To me, you got to take out. I think you have to take out four schools in this league. You got to take out USC, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. No, the the actual dark horse is UCLA. I agree. I agree. Because there's the way their schedule lines. We've up, talked about it. If yeah. they don't mess around, they could they, even if like, let's say Oregon and Wa- or Oregon and USC are both eleven and one, like UCLA could still back their way in like carefully. Or I guess it would, it would take a ten and two team, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the I the the move the Pac-12 move to the top two versus the division winners is the the most Pac-12 decision ever because it came far too late was completely meaningless and potentially is counterproductive to what they claim that they're trying to do with it so and and this year could could manifest that out because you absolutely could have a scenario where usc oregon utah washington play a full round robin they beat each other up and then you know the winner of ucla and oregon state walks in the back door because they don't play two of those top four teams yeah meanwhile ucla is playing patty cake against stanford and cal yeah exactly Exactly. But Pac-12 going to Pac-12, at least for one more year. Yeah. Hopefully not much longer than that. Hopefully not. That's a topic for another show. Yeah. Because there's still no news. There's no news. And there won't be, so let's keep moving. It's just more rumors. Yeah, let's keep keep moving. moving. (laughs) All right, let's flip over to some over-unders. We'll cover all the Pac-12, and then maybe we'll hit some teams around the country. So I guess let's start with the Pac-12 ones. We'll just work our way down the list. You want to start from the bottom? Sure. Start from the bottom. It's more fun. Stanford, three. Under. I'm also on the under. I think it'll end up pushing, if I'm honest. But if I was going to err one way or the other, I think I'm I'm erring under. Which I believe Stanford at three. Well, Stanford and Colorado at three are the two lowest Power 5 over-unders. Ooh, brutal. Fun fact. Um, Stanford, schedule-wise, plays Hawaii. Hawaii. Somebody with an S in their logo that I don't know who... I don't recognize the logo. Uh, so I don't know who that means. Sac State? Maybe Sac State. And then their, and then they, their other out-of-conference game is Notre against Dame. Notre Dame, of course. Yes. So, um, you know, two two wins there. 
and then you got to find one in conference play to hit the push. I, think I don't, one think, out of, I don't think they're winning all their conference games, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they beat Sac State. So, I mean, even though they did just steal Sac State's coach. But I guess <laughs> that's right. I didn't, I didn't players, realize that. Yeah. All the good players off Sac State did get poached by bottom level Pac-12 schools too. So I don't know. Probably not. But Stanford will win that game. But they'll win two games, and then we'll all be crossing our fingers and hoping that they don't win another. Um, Colorado's more interesting at three. Yes, they have. They obviously have uh, TCU to start the season on the road. Nebraska at home. Colorado State at home. And then their conference slate, they miss out on – who do they miss out on? They don't play – or – no, they play Oregon State. They don't play – what? nope, they play them too. <laughs> they don't play Cal, so that's not great. That could be a, a winnable game. And they don't play UW. Yeah. So I'm taking over three because um, I think they'll beat Colorado State. I Actually, am I taking three? Yeah, uh, I think this push. I think this pushes too. Do they I got a push on this one. Uh, they do play Stanford okay. at home on a so Friday night. Yeah, they play Colorado State and Stanford. That's two wins, and then they got to win one of the Arizona school games, and that gets them to a push. And then they got to beat either like Beavers, Washington State, UCLA, yeah. Nebraska. They would they would basically have to beat one of TCU and Nebraska to go over this, in my opinion, and I don't think that they're going to do either. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under. I'm taking a push on it if I can do that. So no, you can't take a push. Don't be a can't take a push on three. No, don't be a pansy. Well, then I'll take it over. Because I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going right, to get good. I, think, finally, I don't think they're going to get stuck at two. Stand your ground like a man. Jesus, gosh, such a coward. All right. Now here's our here's one we talked about Cal at four and a half. Under. And I think we're slamming the under on this one. Yes, with our with actual money. With actual money, with, with actual dozens money. of dollars, dozens. Um, dozens, dozens and dozens of them. Yeah, so four and a half. Their schedule is. I had it up here. It is. So they play. I don't know somebody that has an eagle as a logo, green what? eagle. Dude, why? What schedules are you? Possibly- I'm looking at the little like logo schedule thing. It doesn't have names. I don't like. I know them all. I know almost Dude, all these are- logos. But you throw some FCS team in there. I don't know like, what the heck a green eagle is. We're trying to professionalize this podcast, and you can't possibly pull up a, a written schedule. It's North Texas. Oh my goodness! I got North it. Texas screaming eagles. I don't I'm ta- know. I'm taking over. <laughs> you you changed it to the ogre. It's the mean green no, of North I, Texas. No, I am taking over control of the podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. North, North Texas is actually halfway decent sometimes, but I think Cal wins. Then they get absolutely butt blasted out of their own stadium by Auburn the very next week. Then they get Idaho, and that's home. a win. And then they lose to Washington, and then they lose to Arizona. Dude, I. There's no way these guys get. The Where's ball. where are five wins on the schedule? Even if you give them the two out of conference games, because right. they're not two beating Auburn games in Stanford. Because Stanford is a lay down. Okay, so that's three. Where are you finding two more wins? So basically, you're rolling the dice that they're going to win two, two games of out of Arizona State, Washington, Washington State. State. You'd have to win them both. Beavers, UCLA. I don't. Wow, they have it rough. I don't see it. Dude, Cal has it really rough. They play, I don't see a path. I don't see a path. They, 
Cal plays all five of the best, all six of the best teams in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, they have a brutal schedule. Other than Stanford, this schedule sucks. Like, this is a, oh my gosh. Yeah, Doug, we're liquidating. I'm, think, yeah, pull up the 401k too while you're at it. We get one. You want me to cash cash out? Yeah, our company four hundred one k. I think there's I think there's dozens of nickels in it. I don't dozens of pennies maybe. I don't know. It's uh, are you telling me that we don't have a company four hundred one k? No, we do not have a company (laughs) or a company four hundred one k. You don't. We don't do batching here at the QB eleven show. We'll get we'll get looking at that. We'll get our HR department on that. Oh, we have one of those. Uh, Sure, I think we can get an HR department to get on that. Okay, got it. Okay, uh, moving on to Arizona State, four and a half, right? Or is it five? Uh, five. It's a five. Ooh, fiver. Okay, uh, out of conference, Southern Utah um, at home, Oklahoma State at home, Fresno State at home. So they play three home games. Um, I think that these are all quite winnable. I think they'll probably be dogs, or put, or it'll be close to a picking probably against Oklahoma State. Do we have an early line on that, Doug? I. But have to look it up, QB. Uh, well, never mind, guys. Sorry, Doug doesn't do any show prep. Um, wow. <laughs> in terms of uh, playing the North, they play Washington and Oregon, so they're they're missing uh, what appears to be Oregon State and Stanford. Stanford. That's a that's a tough. You you miss the worst team in the conference. That's kind of tough. I don't know. I think they could start 3-0. I don't see them beating any of the better teams in the league. I don't see them. Well, they beat Washington last year, but it's on the road this time. Um, I don't I don't. I see, see a path to five. I mean, the path to six is the challenge, right? Because, okay, you say you, say you win all three of the out-of-conference. I'm going to say it's only going to be two, but let's just give them the benefit of that and go in three. Then they got to get, I mean, Cal and Colorado, those are two winnable games. That gets them to five, but then their, their last six games of the year are – yeah. At Washington, Washington State at home, at Utah, at UCLA, Oregon at home, at Arizona, or sorry, Arizona at home. Like, if for them to go, over, they, they, have, they have to win their first three and the Territorial Cup. That's four, and then they got Colorado and Stanford on here. Or Colorado and Cal, Stanford. Colorado and Cal, yeah, Colorado and Cal. Sorry, yeah, that gets them to six. The other crappy team from the Bay Area. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm going to take I, the under. Yeah, I am too. I, I don't. I wanted the push, but you said I couldn't do that. So no, yeah, take the under. If it pushes, it pushes. But all right, okay. Arizona five and a half. They start with Northern Arizona, then they play at Mississippi State. They host UTEP. Those are their conference games. Uh, then they get Stanford on the road, UW at home, at SC on a short week, at Washington State. The bye, then Beavers at home, UCLA at home, at Colorado, Utah at home, at Arizona State for the Territorial Cup. What's the path to six here? They beat two out. They beat Northern Arizona and UTEP. Say so take off Stanford is three. Washington State would be four. Colorado five. Arizona State six. That's probably the easiest path to six games yeah i don't they're five and a half they're five and a half i'm going under yeah i took the under on that one as well i just if all three of those games weren't on the road i would like it a lot better but i just like the other games just don't seem that winnable like i don't see them beating washington 
USC. I mean, maybe they maybe they pick off the Beavers or UCLA at home after the bye. I mean, here's the deal. One of Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State has to go over just mathematically. I know I took all three to go under. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm going to be right with you're gonna hedge. If you're right out of two out of three, you still win. Yeah. Yeah. So Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, moving on to Washington State, this one's kind of interesting to me. I, six and a half. Seems a little rich considering what their schedule looks like. They have at Colorado State to start, that which is going to be an improved Colorado State team. Like that is to me a tricky game, especially because they're going to be looking ahead to that Wisconsin game in Week Two at home. Um, Colorado State, and like honestly, this could be said for Colorado as well. Like uh, they've got Jane Orville as their coach. Like they've they've actually recruited for a G five pretty well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that team comes together this year. They were horrid last year, but um, year two. Uh, some some influx of talent there, uh, and then they play Northern Colorado, which should be a pretty easy win. Um, from the South, they play UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. Um, so they don't play USC or Utah, which gives them some up. I think that they can probably beat. I don't know. Is Washington State a good enough team to beat all three of the bottom teams from the South? Doug. I, I don't think so, QB. I've I've got him on the under. I've got him. I don't know. I just don't. And I, think, I see a path to six. I don't see a path to seven because I think Wisconsin's going to absolutely run them out of their own stadium. Right. They're Oregon not State, Baylor. Oregon State, like even though they're going to be an aggressive half team and a half offense, um, is going to have such a good half offense running the ball with with the depleted linebacker core at, at Washington State. I think that they'll just have success. Um, but that is at Martin Stadium, so maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the home home field advantage there. I don't know. I, I do think that Washington State's a better football team than the Arizona schools in Colorado, uh, but I think that their schedule is tough. So I'll take under six and a half. I think they're six. I still think they're bowl eligible, but I think they lose all the games they should lose, which means I think they lose to Washington. I think they lose to Oregon. I think they lose to UCLA. I don't think they lose to Wisconsin, Oregon State. So that's five losses. Are they going to be perfect through the rest of them? Yeah, I don't see it. I see six and six. I, I like you said. I see a bowl game. I just it seems like the path to seven gets really. They got to knock somebody off that I don't expect. Like to. Oregon, like like Washington State played a lot of people close last year because of their defense. I there's nothing that makes me think that this Washington State offense is going to improve enough in, in another year with Cam Ward, with a new offensive coordinator for for it to make up for what they lost defensively. Logic. Logic. Um, well, you want to move over to the Beavs? The Beavs are at eight. Sure. Okay. I like how you haven't figured out you can just click on their name on the last schedule and open up their new one. I'm. I have a hard copy of the schedule I'm looking at. So hard copy. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the Beavers are at eight. Oof. Yeah, they, they start the on the. Highest preseason over-under in probably program history for the Beavs. Well, certainly in the 10 years or so. Oh, my gosh. Hang a banner. (laughs) Ouch. 
thought we saved that kind of hatred for you, Dub. No, they suck too. Um, at San, San Jose State, State. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. I think they're going to be three and zero coming out of non-con. They play UC Davis, San Diego State, at San Jose State. Then they go on the road to Martin Stadium to play Wazoo, as we just talked about. Like that could be a tough game. I think ultimately Oregon State's better. Um, the Utes kind of typically own the Beavs in Corvallis. I think last time it was like a fifty-point, like absolute drudging. Um, it's like Cal, that's a, that seems to always be a bad matchup for the Beavers. You know, playing well, Utah, whether it's home or away, just Utah it feels is like just that a matchup rich is, man's version of the Beavs. Right. Like for all the things that Oregon can do to Utah, because Oregon's more talented to Utah than Utah. Like Utah is just more talented than Oregon State. Um, and so, like, I just ultimately think Oregon, Utah win, wins that game. But even then, they're still 4-1 and one at worst going into UCLA prior to their bye week in October. So UCLA, but, I think, is a loss, but it's a home game. And so you just you got to give them, give them a puncher's chance there. Like, I think between Washington State and UCLA, they split those. So they're probably 5-1 and one at worst, maybe 4-2. Well, that would be, be two losses if, if you count Utah as a loss. If yeah, they split sorry. those two, so that'd right. be yeah four, four and, two. and two. Sorry, five and two, five and two going into the bye week, um, and then they just need to win three out of Arizona, Colorado, and Stanford. Well, there you go. There's three winnable games right there. Three two are on the road. First two are on the road, and then they play Washington and Oregon. Um, and like, I guess it's not crazy to think they could beat one of those two teams, but I think it's far more likely that they get to eight the old-fashioned way by beating up on the bottom feeders. Um, yeah, I think if you're if you're if they're sitting at eight and I mean I think they've got to get to eight by Stanford because I I don't see any scenario. Uh, this is easy to say as an Oregon fan, they haven't won at Austin Stadium in like eighteen years. Yeah, and that game that they won was the year where we were down to like our eighteenth string quarterback. That was the Dennis Dixon year. Yes, correct. And then if you go back before that, it's like another decade and a half. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take the under here. I I, I think that they're going to slip up along the way. Like I don't. Like You've the, taken the under on every team so far. Well, You're, this is this is seven unders for you now. <laughs> I'm about to hammer overs for the rest of this because I think that there's a very clear delineation between the very good and the very bad teams in this conference this year. And I actually don't think that Oregon State is like clearly on the top half of that. Well, you're just a hater, QB. Yeah, they I beat am. us last year. How are you doubting them? That's why I'm. Ba- it's actually probably why it's my like it's my like unconscious bias. Uh, I've got a push again. I've got them at eight and four. Well, yeah, I guess you could just push on all of them, and then the math works out perfectly, Doug. <laughs> I don't want to push on all of them. This is why the under over under should always be a half. It oh, should be, U- it should be seven and a half or eight and a half. UCLA, I'm smashing the over. Are we doing them next? Oh yeah. Okay, they're at eight and a half. Yeah, smashing the over. Listen to this non-cons. Coastal Carolina, which like, yeah, they've got a good quarterback in Grayson McCall, but they lost everybody else and their coach. San Diego State. Easy dub. NC NC Central Eagles. I don't even know. NC Central is that North Carolina Central? Yes. Wow. Then they play. Utah. It doesn't even. They don't. They're not even good enough to have a direction. They can't even be a directional school. They're just central. There's nothing wrong. With like yeah, we don't know which way we're going. We're not east. We're not north. We're central. Central Michigan. Some years is the best directional I guess, Michigan school. I guess so. Um, and then like this is one where I think that like UCLA is actually a pretty good team. So like. I think they beat Utah. I think they beat Washington State at home. I think that they probably beat the Beavers on the road. Um, and like, I could very easily see a situation where they're wow, like, wow, their schedule is bad. Yeah, where they could be like <laughs> nine and one rolling into that USC game, 
And even if they lose that, they have the opportunity to bounce back at home against Cal to go ten and two. Well, I mean, I, as you rattled it off, I mean, if you say they beat, they win at Utah and they win at Oregon State, they could very easily be ten and zero going into the SEC. Well, that's game. what I'm saying, but like, well, let's say they split those games, like they should probably be nine and one at worst going into the SEC game. SEC. Oh my God, the schedule is bad. But again, chip teams also at UCLA have had a horrible habit of losing to like Arizona or Arizona State. So yes, yep. This like, but even then, you're still going nine and three, which is still yeah. They lost to Arizona at home last year. Yeah, I'll take the over. I, I'm all over the. I and mean, we've been talking about how we think under, UCLA is undervalued this year, particularly because of this schedule. Oh I don't God. see how this team. I don't see how this team doesn't win nine games with this schedule. Uh-oh. I, I'm starting to worry. You're starting to worry? Yeah. I think I'm going to take another underdog. Uh-oh. Are we moving on to Utah? Yeah. Yeah, I have them as the under as well. Eight and a half is the number for Utah, and I think unlike UCLA's schedule, Uh-oh. this is the opposite. Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Baylor. Yeah. I mean, so Utah starts with uh, hosting Florida. They go to Baylor. Then they host Weber State, host UCLA, go on a short week to Corvallis by week, Cal at home, at USC, Oregon at home, Arizona State at home, at Washington, at Arizona, finish up with Colorado at home. Okay, so they play five of the six best teams not named Utah in the conference, and they play two like pretty good power. I mean, like, here's the deal: Florida's over under is like five and a half, so like they're not expected to be anything special in the SEC, but they're still going to be a relatively talented team in week one with a lot of hope and like vigor in their eyes. Whereas, and they play Baylor, who's coming off kind of a rough season, but has a good quarterback and is really well coached. Um, like, I think that they're, I think they're going to end up winning some of these games. Like I think they'll beat Florida. I think they'll probably beat Baylor, but I still think they end up going eight and four in the, in like the wash. And so I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I, I just I I got I'm in I'm on the under as well because I'm looking at it going like out of the Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Oregon State. Like out of those five, I think they're losing at least three. That and they're relying on a quarterback who's like. Knees are held together with rubber bands, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they're in that eight and four range, so that that's the under to me. Jeez, I might. Mm. Uh, okay, go ahead. Washington nine. Mm. Boise State at home, Tulsa at home, at East Lansing to take on Michigan State on the Peacock Network. Cal at home at Arizona. Before the bye, then they host Oregon, host Arizona State, at Stanford, at USC, Utah at home, at Beavers, Washington State at home. Kind of a tough, tough last four games there. Yeah, I'm still taking the over because it starts off so easy. Uh, I think nine and three is ultimately the number, but we're not we're not allowing ourselves to push here. I mean, well, we we will push at nine and three if I go over. Um, right. So that's where that's where I'm at. If you're taking the over on that, then I mean I, I like nine honestly, um, but I'll say they lose one of the outer conference games and fine. I don't think they're gonna lose one of these out of conference games. I'm, I'm just I'm just yeah I I mean I see 
I see the potential for it. I'm not no, saying I mean, I'm not no, predicting it's going to happen. The potential saying, exists, uh, yeah. the, but I, I don't see it happening. Like, I think if they lose three games, it's going to be like they're going to lose to Oregon, USC, and Utah, or maybe Oregon State. Like you know, what I mean, like they're going to lose. They're going to lose three games in conference. Otherwise, I think they just go seven and two in conference, like they did last year. End up at ten and two, like probably third or fourth in the conference, depending on how it shakes out with yeah. UCLA and USC. I, I've got them six and three in conference, which is why I have them nine and three on the push. But uh, if you're going to make me choose, I guess I'll go over as well because I think that's more likely than the under. Okay, Oregon over. Yeah, nine and a half for Oregon. I, I'm also on the over. Um, you don't have like you can go seven and two in conference and go over here. So that's like. I don't think Oregon's losing any of these non-con games. I mean, if if they lose to te- if they lose to Tech, then the unders in play. But otherwise, yeah, it's if almost... you if you lose to Tech, the unders almost an inevitability, in my opinion. I don't think Tech is as good as Utah or Washington or USC. No, I don't either. But I, I don't like sometimes teams lose to teams that they are better than right. Um, no, hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think if the under, I don't think it's inevitability. Like you could lose to Tech, go seven and two in conference, and you're ten and two, and you're I hitting the over. Like a, ta- a more talented team early in the season with veteran. Like again, this is going to be a veteran team too. Um, like with, with Bo Nix at quarterback. I don't know. I just think that like when you're when you're as healthy as you're ever going to be early in the season, I think you beat up on teams that you're more talented than. Like the teams that Tech beat last year that they shouldn't have beaten, Texas and Oklahoma, were incredibly banged up in those games. Like Tech was playing back of quarterbacks like every week. Yeah, so, that's yeah. They did have that that string. Actually, that was TCU that had that string well, too. I mean, Tech was also. It wasn't quite as extreme as TCU's, but it was still like they were the they were the original Hudson card game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the over. I. I whether you know, even if we lose to Tech, I still think the over is is in play. So um, I like seven and two or better in conference, and then that that pretty much makes the over an automatic. So yeah, um, I'm going over on USC too. I think that like they'll they'll win. It's tough because they have to come here and they have to go to Notre Dame, but I think that they beat Washington. So. I think I only see two losses on their schedule. I, I I mean I don't even see I I I only see two games they could lose on their schedule. I guess as long as I would this say is it. all assuming quarterback health. If Caleb yeah, I mean healthy, then they're yeah, they're a a one ten and two team. I mean they're not losing they're not losing to, to San Diego State. They're not losing to Nevada. They're not losing to Stanford. They're not losing to Arizona State. They're not losing to Colorado. They're not losing to Arizona. Okay, then they go at Notre Dame. Okay, let's. Say in a scenario they lose that one, I, I they're not losing to Utah this year. I don't see any way they lose to Utah at home after what happened last year. I like that's the game they're going to have like circled and squared and like everything on you know. Then they go to Cal, and then they got Washington, Oregon, UCLA. I I just yeah I don't I don't they're not losing to Washington at home. They're just a much better version of Washington. So and they're playing at home. So to me, it's like they the Notre Dame and Oregon games. Okay, they either lose them both and they're ten and two, or they split them and they're eleven and one. But either way, they're over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still going over. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I'm over. I'm just I, staring at the schedule, perplexed. I'm like the Notre Dame game kind of scares me now that they have Sam Hartman. 
Um, but I don't know who he's throwing to. I don't know enough about their receiver core. That's a hole in my college football inventory this offseason. So I'll have to look into Notre Dame some more. But um, they should be very competent defensively. I, I just think that USC is also in a place now. They're not going to be good because Alex Grinch is coaching them, but they'll at least be serviceable now, and their offense is going to be just unbelievable. So um, I think I think USC is probably a, a, a 10 or 11 win team in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, and they were last year, right? They were 11 or 1 um, in the regular season. and, and yeah. So got a poll update here before we close out the pod, Doug. Okay. We have uh, 115 votes, and we're at 91 percent yes. I think the uh, I think the eyes have yet. it. They haven't spoken yet. We have to wait until next week, but we have to give it a one week run time. But I, I have a feeling that this is an insurmountable lead for the yes votes. I uh, I hear you. I hear you. I think we. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think going through it game by game makes it pretty clear to me that this is. This is the bet that I would put all my chips in on in the Pac-12 if I had to pick an over/under bet. I, I think it's Cal under, and I don't, I don't even see what else would any other bet there that would even compare in in how strongly I feel about as that one. Sounds good. I, uh, I I think I'm probably on the same page with you. I think Colorado under is very much in play. Like I think that. Uh, the Louis that he brought with him is off brand. Is it knockoff? Knockoff Chi- Louis? It's like Chinese. Like what is it? What's the uh, what's like the Indian Amazon? Is it Alibaba? No, that's China. China Amazon. Yeah, Alibaba. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's like Chinese. It's like Alibaba Louis Louis Vuitton. So like, definitely not genuine materials. <laughs> I mean, if Savelle Smalls is starting at edge, then I think this under is very much in play. I hear you. Yeah, I definitely hear you on that. Um, all right. I think that's the episode. It is. It is. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. We'll be a little bit more organized next week. I know Doug is really letting us down this week with the lack of preparation <laughs> yes. and not having the schedules pulled up, but I'm going to be hard on him this week. And don't worry, I'm going to hold him to the higher standard that we all expect. So I hope you guys all have a great week. Be safe this weekend. Uh, enjoy the summer weather. Is the weather good up there right now, Doug? The weather is uh, it's a little on the cooler side, but it's sunny. Nice. What's that? What about this weekend? Uh, I think it's looking up. Let me pull up the. I'm not prepped. I'm sorry. Let me pull up the weather app. Yet another uh, example. Yeah, it's going to be oh. uh, 78 and sunny. Okay, that's, so you can't beat that. That's pretty you can't nice. beat that. Yeah, it's, it's idyllic. Be like 100 and something here. So, well, you chose to move down there, my friend. Yeah, it's because the rest of the year when you guys are hiding inside from the rain, I'm living my best life in fact i'm about to go sit on a patio and drink a margarita right now me too cheers (laughs) from afar peace out everyone i want to have a good weekend